Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here with OTA episode number one. Giants got on the field. We got a, a peek of them on Thursday of last week. I'm taping this on Monday. And we saw, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal already thrown into with the starters, the first team, the first group, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I'll get into where we saw Thibodeau line up. Um, uh, how Evan Neal looked alongside that offensive line. Why Darius Tony, Kenny Galladay were in red jerseys, all, all this stuff that's going on. But first, let's take care of a little podcast business. So the way I'm going to describe this is this is sort of like Michael Strahan in 2007, right? Heading into the season. Remember, he didn't really show up for training camp that year. You kind of knew he was going to play, though. Eventually, he did. He came back probably like, what, week before the season or so. And it was kind of, it was expected. Like, you knew it was going to happen. Well, it's, this this is what the podcast news is like. You knew it was going to happen. I asked you all to please be patient as we worked out some things behind the scenes. And in the meantime, the podcast became, you know, almost bi-weekly, even sometimes once every two or three weeks occasionally. But everything was settled. We got Business taken care of, got some good news on Friday, and now Breaking Big Blue is going to be back on a weekly basis. We're going to start pumping them out every week. Everything is going to be business as usual, and we're going to keep going and provide you the content that you need. Because Lord knows you need to know what goes on behind the scenes. You need those nuggets. You want those nuggets, and I will give you those nuggets. So Breaking Big Blue is in a good spot. We're going to be back. We're going to even, uh, we're going to actually take two episodes this week because uh, producer's on vacation next week, so there'll be one that'll be ready to go. This way we stick to the schedule, and we're going to do our best to pop out as many podcasts as possible here in the near future and even in the off season, get some good interviews. I'm, I, I got a good one in the works, I believe, for uh, next week already. And uh, some other ones that I, I, I think have a lot of potential for this summer. So with that being said, let's get to the football side and then we'll get to your questions in a bit. Now, I'm going to start with the two rookies, the two first round picks. Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, we kind of knew this was the case, but to see it and to see it already, because remember, so these guys get drafted. Okay, they went home. Two weeks later, they come back for rookie minicamp. Basically, orientation. Find out where the bathroom is. Where's the cafeteria? You just want to make it so that they're not, they don't need complete babysitting when they mix in with the rookies the following week. I mean, with the veterans. Like, you want to make it so that they could actually go out and practice and, you know, they're going to be a mess of practice and not really what's going on, not know what's going on. But you don't need to walk them out to the field, show them, you know, where the bathroom is on a daily basis. You want them to at least have that down. The football side, that'll come later. 
But to take Evan Neal, immediately put him in with the first team right tackle. Immediately take Kayvon Thibodeau, put him with the first team defense. That's shows you this team is going to count on them a lot. Now, granted, they're the fifth and seventh pick, and that's fine. But most teams don't take their top picks, even if they're top picks, and say, look, we need you to be, in Kayvon Thibodeau's case, our number one pass rusher. Like, I know Aziz Ojolari had a nice year last year, but we'll get to him in a little bit. He's probably better off as a number two pass rusher. Like, we need Kayvon Thibodeau to scare opponents to the point where if they slide someone in, the, in, the, in a direction, it's to him. We're going to take Evan Neal. We're going to put him at right tackle. He's unequivocally going to be our starting right tackle, and we need him to play really well. Put him next to Mark Lewinsky. We need that side to be the strength of the offensive line. Like, that's what they're saying. Not that there's these great options behind them. Now, that's part of the problem here. The Giants are going to be willing to live with the mistakes of those guys, right? So if Kayvon Thibodeau is a seven, eight sack guy as a rookie, you take it. If Evan Neal is an above average starting tackle, you take it. The likelihood that guys come in year one and are all pros as rookies are pretty slim. I don't care what position it is. It's pretty slim. So you're just looking at, okay, if we get average, above average play from these guys, that's fine. But the Giants are going to say, well, we kind of need you guys to be high-end players, and we're putting you in there right away. No easing period. We need it from you, and our, our roster kind of dictates that. So, uh, man, red jerseys at camp. I mean, I counted about 15 of them. These are guys that are either injured or being held out. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, uh, Blake Martinez. Although he did do a, 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 he did a bunch. He did more than I thought and looked pretty good. But he had a jersey on. I mean, uh, Radarius Williams. I mean, you can go on and on and on of the players that were out there in red jerseys. Now, get you a better idea maybe of other guys, but. The ones that really stood out were, I mean, even guys like Jamil Douglas I saw had a red jersey, which is mean he had some sort of limitation. But Kadarius Toney in a red jersey. Now, Pat Leonard, the Daily News reported there was some knee procedure done. And Kenny Galladay also in a red jersey. Two things that you really didn't want to see because you're talking about two guys that all last year hampered by injuries. And Galladay now... I mean, he hasn't done anything. He has one touchdown in the last two years combined. He really hasn't played much or played much successfully in two years. You want him to, you, you need him to be healthy. Now, there's plenty of time. I think they can, and I, I expect them to both be healthy come training camp. I don't think it's anything we need to worry about. The Giants have been pretty honest about that. They expect everyone. The two guys that probably won't be ready for training camp are Nick Gates and we'll see about Nick Gates. There's, this this looks like uh, it's, it's something that, that's going to take some time here. I would almost be surprised at this point if uh, the Giants weren't going to take it slowly with Nick Gates. And, uh, you know, you might not see him until sometime during the season. You know what I'm talking about, a, a, you know, full, full contact, fully cleared, that kind of stuff. So that seems to be where that was headed. And also the other one is uh, Matt Parrott who tore his knee, but it was so late last year. Remember, it was like December. So we're sitting here now in May, talking it's only six months later. You're not having him go out there six months, full go. 
you're going to bring him along slowly. Looks like that might take into training camp as well. So, but Tony, you kind of want to see him on the field. I mean, it, it's a, at the very least, it's a little concerning. I mean, he had hamstring, oblique, ankle, now we know knee, and COVID twice. I mean, that's a lot. That's a, that's a long list of things. I mean, that's not even considering the cleats and the getting ejected from games and the other stuff. So it's a lot of stuff going on with him. And the talent, we know. We saw it in the games against New Orleans and Dallas, and it's enticing. And he's the one guy that I, I think, if he's healthy, if things go well for him, can blow up and be really good. But there's also potential and some signs that, hey, this might not work out so well here. So reasons to be concerned there, but it is spring. So you don't want to get carried away. Giants expect him to be back for training camp. That gives you some optimism. Okay, get right for training camp. We don't really care about the spring. Get right for training camp. Work hard all summer. Stay healthy all summer. Be ready for the season. Same with Kenny Galladay. As far as some of the other notables, I mentioned Blake Martinez. I mean, to me, seeing him out there moving well, by the way, I like that. That's optimistic. You know, he was a huge difference maker in our defense from 2020 and 2021. I'd say he's probably the biggest reason of the drop-off. The second they lost him, it was over. You know, they weren't overly talented anyway, but they didn't have anyone to replace Blake Martinez. He was the captain, the center of that defense. Now, Micah McFadden is sort of his mini-me right now. At least you groom him to be Blake if Blake goes down. But good sign so far there. Uh, 20, I have number 20 written down, which is Julian Love. I mean, it's a real shot that Julian Love is your starter at safety alongside Xavier McKinney if the Giants don't pick up a veteran safety, which we'll get to that later. But... Right now, it looks like they're going to give Julian Love an opportunity to start. Again, I concerns me a little bit. I think Julian Love is good in that sort of uh, utility piece. You know, let him come in, start a few games if you need him at, at safety, start a few games at cornerback, move him in the slot, move him around. You can get by with him at any of these spots. And that, to me, is his real value. I'm a little concerned if you have to put Julian Love out there for 17 games that that's when he starts to get exploited. Not overly rangy, not overly fast. Tackles well enough to play safety, but isn't a huge hitter. So can he then hold up at safety? So real concerns there at that second safety spot. Uh, You saw some interesting... You saw John Feliciano at center, but also some other bodies at center like that you didn't necessarily think was going to be the case. Ben Bredesen, who they traded for last year, playing center, Jamil Douglas playing some center. So those are the center, some of the center options behind John Feliciano right now. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and when you look at the Giants tight ends, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones wasn't there. He was dealing with a personal matter. But um, it's thin. It's really thin. Oh, uh, another one, something I noticed. Saquon Barkley looks good, really good, like fast. And healthy. Like you forget the talent that's there because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen that explosiveness. Now, I was only snipping, trying to get some videos this week, but I was pretty impressed by the burst and explosiveness you see from Saquon Barkley. Probably haven't seen that since he sprained his ankle, what, in 2019 at this point? 
I mean, health-wise, that's what, what you see. And that is super encouraging if you're the Giants. Behind him, that's another story. I mean, that running back group, oh, Matt Breda is really the backup. Bunch of undrafted guys, Gary Brightwell. Giants might need to address that. But for now, especially with the, with, with the health concerns with Saquon, his ability to stay healthy in question after two and a half years of basically being on a sideline, you would want a good contingency plan at running back. By the way, Devontae Booker, still out there. Just throwing that out there. And that kind of guy is a possibility. But in the meantime, we're in the spring, and Saquon Barkley looks good. I don't want to hype it up too much because hasn't been healthy in two-plus years. But if he's healthy, I think we're going to see a different player this year. And with that, let's get to your questions. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, yes. We're back. And I'm answering all your deepest, darkest, Giants questions in your favorite podcast segment, Giants After Dark. We're going to start with question number one from Twitter. Uh, Elijah Mendez, the Prophet XT. What's up, Jordan? Based on what you've seen in OTAs, who's more likely to have the bigger season, Neil or Thibodeau? First, let's address what you've seen in OTAs, okay? We see a real snippet. And when it comes to offensive and defense alignment, it's really, really, you, you don't get the full picture because they're not hitting. They're not in full pass. So it's very limited when we talk about these guys. Now, we see them physically. We see how they match up. And you look at Evan Neal, and to me, Evan Neal is the one who I expect to have a bigger season. Number one is, I think it's a little bit easier to be successful at offensive tackle as a rookie than it is as edge rusher. I mean, since 2017, there has been two, five, six, seven edge rushers drafted in the top ten. You know, guys like Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, Bradley Chubb, Nick Bosa, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Farrell uh, Josh Allen, Chase Young. Okay, two of them, Bradley Chubb and Josh Allen, reached double-digit sacks. Two of the seven top ten picks in the last five years have reached double-digit sacks. So it's really hard to be, you know, I mean, Nick Bosa won Rookie of the Year but he, with nine sacks, and that was a great year, obviously. But it's really hard to come in and just flat dominate. Like, you don't have guys get 15 sacks as a rookie. Michael Parsons killed it last year. Wasn't in the top 10, just outside. But, you know, I think that's more the exception than the rule. And I don't think... I mean, Michael Parsons was drafted 12th. I would actually say I think he was probably a better draft prospect than Kayvon Thibodeau in regards to physical talent-wise. At least the people I talked to thought so. So, uh, I think it's going to be a little harder. Like... Do I see him being a 7-8 sack guy? Yeah, I do. But Evan Neal, on the other hand, 
can be a quality right tackle. And physically, you look at him and you look at him on the field, I mean, he looks physically ready for the NFL. I mean, he's huge. He makes the other offensive linemen look small. And then the way he moves, like, so I could see Evan Neal coming in and being an instant success and having a better impact. Plus, the Giants' biggest problem last year was the fact that their offense was terrible. And their offensive line just couldn't hold up. To the point where I had a coach at one point tell me they couldn't, they didn't think they could run rub routes and pick routes and crossing routes, even in the red zone, because they didn't think they could hold up and pass protect long enough. They couldn't pass protect long enough. Think about that for a second. To run crossing routes. I mean, it's a basic combination in the NFL. That's a basic combination in peewee football, Pop Warner football. The Giants didn't think their offensive line could hold up enough to run crossing routes. This is the NFL. So Evan Neal is going to help with that. So I do think he is the one. If, if you say, Jordan, tell me, which one would you put your life on, had a better chance of having a bigger impact this rookie year, I'm going to take Evan Neal. So question number two. Uh, Jordan, how's Cordell Flop looking? Now, when I tell you Evan Neal looks like he's ready for the NFL, you look at Cordell Flott on that field. Cordell Flott, obviously, the third-round pick, cornerback, one of their, one of their two second-round, uh, third-round picks, out of LSU. He is skinny. Skinny, lanky. I know they say he plays tough, but when you go up against men in there, I mean, these guys are, are shorter, quicker. He's, he's starting off in the slot, okay? And he's starting off behind Darnay Holmes, at least from what we've seen so far, granted one day, in OTAs. But I, I do expect Darnay Holmes to have the first chance to win that spot. Cordell, Cordell Flott will have to kind of blow them away. Because he probably, and he admitted this, he needs to put on some weight. He wants to put on 5, 10 pounds. So, you know, I could see him as a guy who might take till midseason to sort of get amped up and worked up and ready to, to contribute. So uh, I'm a little more reserved on the contributions that Cordell Flott's going to make his rookie year and really make right away. So uh, while we're in the secondary, Nick Rose from Instagram says, Howdy, Jordan. Do you think the Giants will bring in a veteran safety option? Uh, and the answer to that, as I stood there and looked, is yes. Now, I know the Giants picked up uh, a safety recently. I'm drawing a blank on his name. His name is Henry. Uh, I believe that's his last name, though. Uh, man, hold on. Let me pop it up here. He's more of like a special teams guy. Uh, Henry Black. Sorry, it's his first name. Henry Black. Um, so you're talking about a guy who has... Uh, 46 career tackles. Now, 25 years old. I'm not expecting him to make a huge impact. If anything, more likely to make an impact on special teams. He comes from Green Bay. He's been two years with Green Bay. But I do think when they sit back there and they're looking at it in training camp and they say, man, you know, can we get by with this secondary? And as I mentioned before, my thoughts on Julian Love, that they might look at the Tashawn Gibsons out there, the Jaquiski Tarts, and say, you know what? These are guys that Pretty much start in the NFL every year. I think we need one of these guys. 
And I think it's a position they add later. But in the meantime, from what I hear, the Giants are still, you know, they don't, they're looking at minimum salary guys. So unless these guys are going to come for minimum salary, salary, you know, it's going to have to cut to the point of, okay, we're midsummer, they don't have a job. Which guy's going to come play for minimum salary? And I think that's going to ultimately time. And I know Chuck Clark was a guy that's mentioned. He's in Baltimore. Maybe they would get rid of him. But the Giants are not going to pay for a safety. They're going to pay pretty minimum or very close to minimum. Same with running back. Mentioned that before. You know, a guy like Devontae Booker, if the options aren't out there, hey, we paid you. I know we paid you a lot more last year, but that was Dave Gettleman. What are your options now? We need another running back. There's a good chance there's opportunities here. Look what happened last year. You want to come for the minimum? Or other guys like that. Uh, at Biased Big Blue from uh, Twitter says, uh, how much money will the Giants have to spend in free agency next year? Rough estimate. Now, according to our system, I had the Giants at approximately $80 million under the cap next year. That was assuming it was, uh, I believe, the, I forget what the number was, but they, they, they put an estimate on exactly what they thought the cap would be at next year. Remember, it's going to go up big time this year. I mean, this year to next year, and then even the following year. So it's expected to make a big job. That being said, the Giants are now expected to have $80 million. Remember, this year they were over the cap when free agency started. Next year, estimated right now to be $80 million under the cap. And now, that doesn't even include, get this, Kenny Galladay and Leonard Williams, who, by the way, are unless they play off the charts, are prime cut candidates. Kenny Galladay next year, $21.4 million against the cap. Huge. That's a huge number. $11 million cap savings if they cut him. Leonard Williams, $26.3 million cap hit next year. $18 million cap savings if you cut him. I mean, th- that's just an awful contract as it turned out. Predictable. I know a lot of people wanted to argue that. But when you do everything ass backwards, this is what happens. You end up with a good player paying him great star money. And in the end, you're going to pay for it. Had his best year in his contract year. Total disaster for the Giants. $26.3 million. And he, he, Sneaky had a pretty poor year last year for a guy who was the highest paid player on the team. His pressure rate was really low. I don't have it written down, but, uh, I mean, you're talking like 80th best among all linemen, among all players. 80th, you know. I don't want to get into the Leonard Williams debate, but those numbers, think about that. That's thirty another $30 million if they cut Kenny Galli and Leonard Williams. They'll be at $110 million under the cap if they want. $110 million under the cap. All estimates, by the way. Not the, not the amounts that you get for Galladay and Leonard Williams, but estimates in regards to the cap of how much money they'll have. Bottom line, a ton. They are healthy moving forward with that salary cap. Very much so. To the point where they will be able to spend next year. Big time. Now, I don't expect them to go crazy. I still expect Joe Shane to... Add one or two big pieces. Like, that's kind of the approach that he said he wanted to do. Steady approach. He didn't want to build the team through free agency. Build up enough guys on the roster that you want to re-sign 
and pay and then move forward from there. Now, granted, he's got his work cut out because where are those guys? Is Saquon Barkley? You want to invest in him long term? Daniel Jones? Do we know? Like, where, where's his money going? Who's the great young guy on the roster? I mean, Xavier McKinney? Now, putting a gazillion dollars into safety. I mean, I'd like to have him, and hopefully he keeps growing. Andrew Thomas? But there's not an overflow of guys here that you're ready to invest money in, and that's who your money look is going to be earmarked towards. So he's got to start hitting on these draft picks, starting with these two guys this year at the top. Uh, at Drew SG1 from Twitter says, who has the inside track to start at left guard and right guard? Now, left guard is going to be a real competition. A lot of bodies in there. But the first crack seems to be going to Shane Lemieux. And good sign with Shane Lemieux. Remember a guy who tried to play last year, knee injury, had to have surgery, missed pretty much the whole season, played half of a game. He's getting the first crack at it. Then you have Josh Azudu. You have guys like Max Garcia, uh, Ben Bredesen. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys getting opportunities there. But the first crack at it appears to be, appears to be, I mean, just based on one practice, Shane Lemieux. And then after him, Josh Azudu probably next in line. So uh, Azudu, by the way, was running with the second team. So Shane Lemieux as the first team left guard. Josh Zudu as the second team left guard. Uh, as right guard is Mark Lewinsky. I mean, they signed him. He's going to be their right guard. Uh, the, Mark Lewinsky, Evan Neal, that's going to be the right side of your line. John Feliciano, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be your center. Andrew Thomas, your starting left tackle. The question is, who's going to start at left guard? That's the one spot that has the biggest competition. Now, injuries, of course, can change that. But in the meantime, that's where they stand. Uh, interesting to note that in at least the first OTA, Corey Cunningham was the guy who ran as the first team left tackle with Andrew Thomas, by the way, another guy in the, in the red jersey because he had a, another offseason ankle something, you know, to get that ankle right. So uh, Corey Cunningham, in the meantime, was the starting or first team left tackle filling in there, which is interesting, at least something to note. Um, next question we have... Jeff Rose music. Will the presence of Kayvon Thibodeau and Wink's defense, Wink Martindale, open up things further for Aziz Ojolari? The guy had eight sacks as a rookie, record holder LT with nine and a half, and no one talks about it. Aziz is the sneaky standout from last year, and I'm excited to see how this all works. Two parts to this. <coughs> one, I do think Aziz Ojolari will benefit from having another guy opposite him who at least can potentially can scare the opposing defense. Like, in my mind, Aziz Ojolari had a nice year. Eight sacks. When he, you know, that that's a productive number. Did some things. Forced a fumble or two. Uh, not crazy, you know, tackle for loss. His numbers were solid for a rookie. Not great. Solid. But there were some things that tell me, I look at it and say, did he show me a lot of traits and signs as a dominant pass rusher consistently? His pressure percentage was kind of low. He was 9.7% pressure, which isn't especially high. 68th among all, you know, edge rushers. And mind you, so two teams. I mean, two per team. 32 times two is 64. He ranked 68th in 
pressure percentage. So I'm kind of in between on Aziz Ojolari. Like, I see a good player. The eight sacks would suggest, okay, maybe he'll be a great player. Like, you know, maybe he could develop into that 12, 15 sack guy. But I don't know. The other numbers around him don't say that. But I do see him being a quality player. And if Kayvon Thibodeau is what the Giants drafted him to be, the Giants have a pretty nice duo right there. That's a pretty nice pass rushing duo to build around. And it's something, quite frankly, this team's been missing for a long time. Uh, Twitter question. I don't know how to pronounce this. Amoy VFX, the full drunken alchemist, says, any updates on changes to MetLife's turf? Now, I know this is a contentious point for fans. And we asked John Mara about it. And he didn't seem overly concerned about the turf at MetLife and the turf in general. He seemed to think that the numbers weren't, didn't show uh, an exorbitant amount of injuries in regards to, you know, between turf compared to natural grass. But it was a very small sample size. I think what the Giants need to do and MetLife needs to do is, you know, get a sample size big enough where they could figure out if that is ultimately a problem and injuries are happening more. You can't just say, well, last year it wasn't. You know, well, how about over an extended period of time? How about all the stadiums with turf put together? How many seasons is that? The same turf that the Giants use. Are there significantly more injuries on the turf than there are on natural grass? Right now, they don't seem overly concerned about it. At least when we talked to John Mara at the owners' meetings, what, a couple months ago? So I wouldn't expect any overarching changes. And also, without seeing the numbers or crunching them to myself, I don't think the turf and the turf in MetLife produces uh, an exorbitant amount of injuries compared to, you know, natural grass in other places or other stuff. Like guys get hurt all over the place. Saquon Barkley tore his knee on the natural grass at uh, Soldier Stadium in Chicago. You know, uh, Saquon Barkley then hurt his ankle by stepping on somebody's foot. Kadarius Toney hurt himself in uh, Dallas as well. I mean, a lot of these injuries didn't happen on the MetLife turf. I don't think Shane Lemieux's knee injury happened on the MetLife turf. It happened at, at the uh, the natural grass that they practice at. You know, all the hamstring injuries that the Giants had this summer, most of them, those were natural grass injuries as well. So I don't think I don't know for sure because I we got a, a big study needs to be done, but I don't think it's as big a problem as fans seem to insist. Now, when guys get injured, all of a sudden they complain, "Hey, the turf here is terrible," uh, you know. But guys get injured everywhere, everywhere. So uh, I'll keep looking into it though, and I'll see if I can find numbers and maybe if there are numbers out there that show, "Hey, MetLife Field does produce more injuries than most other stadiums," but. Until we know that for sure, and until John Mara seems to believe that, I don't think you should expect much change in that regard. So that's it for this uh, portion of the podcast with the Giants After Dark. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, 
S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're going to do a little quick Jordan on the beat and get out of here. This is the portion of the episode where I tell you what it's like to work for ESPN, cover the Giants, or cover the NFL in general. And uh, I'm going to bring up a story here that Andrew Thomas kind of told on Talking Giants, and friends, friends of the podcast here. Bobby Skinner and Justin Pennick. So they interview Andrew Thomas and they ask about the touchdown he caught and about how there was practice videos of him catching touchdown passes. In reality, it was really uh, all the offensive linemen were catching passes, not specifically him. But the video I happened to take, and they didn't mention me by name, but the, or Andrew Thomas didn't mention by name, but the video I happened to take among it, the, the, cent- the central highlight of it was Andrew Thomas catching a touchdown pass in practice. We're catching a pass in practice. I think they were just running deep routes, like 10, 15-yard go routes to work on their hands or something of the sort. So Andrew Thomas said, you know, he went up to the PR guy when he was finished practice, and he said, uh, you know, uh, we probably we sh- can we take that down? Can we get that taken down? We shouldn't. We probably shouldn't show that, and it wasn't taken down anyway. Well, yeah, they did come to me and ask and say, hey, can you take down that video of him catching passes in practice because it was kind of okay they had this plan this play plan where Andrew Thomas was going to be a red zone target and could catch a pass in the game as, you know as a potential touchdown which he ultimately did made a great leaping catch Daniel Jones threw a bit high was under pressure so but at the time the video was already up for hours anyway I was like no not taking it down that all that, all that first of all all that would do is bring more attention to it Right. If you take the video down, you'd be like, well, they just took down this video of Andrew Thomas catching passes. You know, scratch your head. What's going on here? Giants are obviously throwing to Andrew Thomas for the offensive lineman. And number two is if they ran in a practice and everybody's catching the passes and they didn't and they didn't say, hey, don't tape this. And we tape it and put it up like there's no turning back. That's it. And that is what happens in practice. There's periods and portions of practice a lot. Everyone says, how do they look? How, you know, I want videos of them, you know, Andrew Thomas, I mean, uh, of Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau going up against each other. We're not going to be able to give you much of that. And then when you do get that from, from the team, they're picking and choosing what they give you because they don't want to show much. So they say to you, this, this portion, you know, this period of practice is not open for taping. Put your cameras down. You're not allowed to tape in this portion of practice. So most of the live drills, 11 on 11, you know, we're not allowed to tape those. Training camp, a little bit different because the fans are there. But during the season, any stuff like that, cameras are down. But the cameras were up for them running drills early in practice and the offensive linemen running downfield and catching passes along with the receivers. So I wasn't going to take it down, but it is a funny story. And then ultimately, Andrew Thomas did end up catching the touchdown. It didn't affect them. I believe it was against Dallas. Or was that the extra point that was against Dallas? 
Eh, either way. But you get the point. So uh, I thought that was funny that he told that story on Talking Giants. By the way, great podcast as well. And uh, friends of mine, I talked to Bobby. You know, we, we text back and forth pretty regularly. Good, good dude. And uh, very entertaining podcast. And uh, you know what? I'm, I, I, I was thinking about it recently. I want to have them on. I've, I've been on their podcast. Now it needs to be reciprocated. And I need to get them on this podcast. But that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. You can catch us on all uh, podcast platforms. Uh, the ESPN New York app is also money. You can catch Breaking, Breaking Big Blue on there. I don't know. What the heck am I talking about? Some of these words that are coming out of my mouth. Not full words. But it is on that app. The ESPN New York app, you can find it there. Of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Look for Breaking Big Blue. It's there. Well, And as always, reach out. Send me your questions. I will answer them throughout the spring, throughout the summer, entering the season. You can find me Instagram, Facebook. Now you can find me on YouTube. I'm going to start finding more ways to use utilize YouTube, Twitter, uh, email, you know how to find me. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.